This episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning in to the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is a friend of the show, Peter Paul Parker. And Peter tells us today about his dream method. As well as, well, we go all over the place. We talk about the UFO situation and pyramids and planting a garden and seeds. And, well, just stay tuned because it's a fascinating conversation. Welcome back, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. We've just had uh, all all sort of um, seasons in one, as it were. We've had a warm, cool, cold, wet, and now it's getting cold and now it's getting warmer again. So, and this is in the space of a day. That <laughs> is, that, no, I understand. <laughs> I live in Chicago. I live in Chicago and it is the same way. Chicago is so much the same way because I remember going to work one day and it was like 80. And by the time we got home that night, it was like 32. Unbelievable. So, so how, how do you function with that? You know, it's almost impossible to do that, but you get used to it. You bring whatever jacket you need and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bought, um, I used to have one jacket for the summer, one for the winter. Now I've got one for the kind of winter, summer, now summer, winter. And so, yeah, I have to get a few more jackets, but yeah, you got to really try and gauge what's going to happen. And it is difficult because you, you, I get, I, I used to get prone to colds, not so much now, but I used to. And that's when I used to get my really worst colds is when I got caught out, out in, in outside uh, without enough clothes on. It's, it's uh, not good for me. I don't like it. I've, I'm, I'm, I like my comfort. <laughs> well, and, and let's be, and my husband would always say the one job you can get wrong 95% of the time and still keep your job is the weatherman. Yes. <laughs> yes. My wife got to the point where she was she had four different weather co- uh, companies coming up, telling her the weather, and she said, not, not one of them is right today. And she was getting really stressed about it. I said, I think the best thing to do is just ignore it, you know, and just, just go with what happens in the morning and then what happens in the evening because they can't predict the weather. I can't predict it. There's a guy who, who was predicting it, a really interesting guy who, uh, who was looking at sunspots, and I, I've kind of lost yeah. his website, but he was looking at sunspots. And he was the most accurate because he was predicting when the sunspots happened and when a major weather change happened on the planet. And it was it was very accurate, actually, but they seemed to have pushed him to the side and come up with these other big companies that were running the weather, especially over here in, in the UK. And it's just, it's just rubbish. It's just all well, rubbish. The thing is, if you think about the sunspots, it affects the magnetic pull and the polarization of the Earth's atmosphere. So therefore, yes, it's going to have some play. But yeah. no, we can't do that. It's much better to have a computer algorithm and all the weather models. We've run four different models and the European model says and the American model says and they're totally different. Yeah. So... I well, they're doing that with everything now, aren't they? Models yeah. and algorithms. Yeah. So you, you when you advertise, you, you advertise with an algorithm. When you, when you, um, your your medical procedures now done with an algorithm. Everything's done with an algorithm or predictions. Or um, I just find this incredible that we've got all these intelligent, well versed people who have trained to be professionals in their field, 
that aren't being listened to at all. But it's just like, what? What are you doing here? So yeah, to algorithms is, is um, yeah, it's it, the weather is just one element of many different elements of why we're going towards algorithms and, and AI, which I don't think is a bad thing because it, it can produce good things. But if you rely on it, without human intelligence being involved with it as well, because surely we're the best to know what's happening in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a major issue that needs to be addressed. And a lot of people are actually speaking up about it now, which I find interesting. So, well, yeah. I mean, let's think about all the technology we have and think about the fact that one EMP, electric magnetic pulse, could take everything down, our cars, our phones, our communication, our power, because everything is, and then the thing is, some of us could survive without the electronics. And if you have an older car without an electronic start, you're golden. Yeah. But what about the generations that have no concept of what it's like to live without it? Well, they got they got a major problem, I think, because it's it's going to be like uh, rabbits in the headlights. I remember. Growing up, we had power cuts and we had to go to candles and we had to get board games out or do some sort of entertainment with guitars or something like that or a piano. And we found ways to entertain ourselves. We even found ways of cooking with um, colour gas, um, little cookers uh, mm-hmm. when, when the power cuts were going on for, for a few days. And we it was, actually, it was really good fun. It was really mm-hmm. nice to have that family time together and, and live by candlelight. It felt like going back into... Henry VIII's time when there was no electricity. But now I think because of how these this next generation has come up, it would be a major, major issue, a major issue getting out into nature and trying to forage for food and things like that. I think that would be a major issue. We've got our own vegetable patch at the back of our garden, so we're learning to grow food. And we've got. I've learned ways of cleaning water and things like that in case something like that happens. I'm not a prepper or anything like that, but it's just nice to know that. It's nice to know how your food grows and seeing the cycles of life and understanding the energy. Um, like you're talking about pulses coming from the sun, you, you see the, the energies of the season. And when you see, wow, you know, the moon's been strong today, you see the seeds growing bigger, you know, because when you when you plant, when the, the sun is beginning to, to wax rather than wane, like the beginning of that um, time, the seeds grow bigger. And, and I've tested this with um, uh, my garden and also with a pyramid. It's like a pyramid with a sacred symbol underneath it. Uh, you put, we put us, or I put my um, seeds in that. They were um, broad bean seeds. And I just did it because my, my friend bought it. He saw it. I was getting into like Qigong and energy and all this kind of stuff, meditation. He bought me this because he was Polish. And the Polish used to swear blind by putting their razor blades into pyramids to make them keep them sharp. So I thought, yeah, all right, I'll give this a go. I'm completely skeptical about it, thinking, all right, but I'll try it because he's a good friend. And I did it. So I put the bull beans in this like a bronze, like a copper um, pyramid with this sacred symbol. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. But I put them in there and I, I left the other seeds outside of the pyramid. I planted them at least double the size. And I thought, nah, that must have been a, a fluke. So the next year, do the same thing, same result, double the size. I went, wow. So all my seeds now go into this little triangle thing, this little pyramid thing, so quite busy. But I was blown away. And then 
listening to other, we went to a champagne manufacturer in here in England and he said he swears blind by planting his grapevine by the moon. Okay, yeah. And I went, well, okay, all right, we'll give it a go. So I've been doing that and I'm putting it in the seeds, look, waiting for the, 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 the waxing of the moon before as it's a full moon and coming into the waxing period plant the seeds then sure enough most of the plants come up it's just we need to come back to our planet because our planet is absolutely phenomenal we need to come back to us because we are phenomenal <laughs> we, right, well, i mean people people here and they're like oh we, we had had we've had a very mild winter we didn't have a lot of snow and people are like oh i'm so glad we didn't have that much snow and i'm like you guys are missing a big picture here because without all that snowpack that we normally have, if we have a hot summer, we're in for a drought. But nobody thinks that way. No. Just thinking of the inconvenience. It's like, but with the snow, it gives us a nice foundation to have the soil enriched and we'll have that water there. But if it's not there and then they don't realize that depending on how your house is built, your, your slab can shift. There's chant, more potential for fires. I mean, it's like you really have to reel back in and look at what is around you. Look at nature itself. And as you said, look at us. What are we mm. doing? Are, what are we giving back to the planet? Are we just taking? Taking. And it's about resources, isn't it? And it's become too much about resources and, and not enough about us. We should be loving ourselves. And, and not loving our cell phones or like our um, smartphones or our computers. We should be loving ourselves. And, and we seem to have been taking from the planet all the time. And the, the tech, I'm not saying the technology is bad, but it seems to be, well, they, they build obsolescence into it. So therefore you need to buy the next latest one and let the last one fade and die, as it were. And where I remember when we used to buy, you'd buy a washing machine or a fridge and you just knew it was going to last for 20 years or 15 years or whatever. Now, people go, well, that did well. Yeah, that your washing machine lasted four years. That's really good. I'm thinking, what? You know, more white garbage going into the, the, right. the recycling. And then you look at the recycling, even that's not done properly. And you've got all this, the plastic. People go on about being environmentalists and climate change. I'm really worried about the environment because of what we're putting into it, not because of the natural rhythms of climate change which is we're at the end of a climate cycle now but because of what we're doing to it i.e we're, we're building obsolescence which means the breaking down of the products that we're buying and there's no way to get rid of them so we've got all this plastic and all this other stuff that's coming out and it's causing major problems all over the world and it's the cheaper countries or the countries who are getting paid for to take the rubbish and then you've got these big piles of garbage everywhere like in africa and places like that, poorer countries, that people are getting sick from this because it's, it's going toxic because of all the toxicity and the paint and everything like that. And it's just, it's one big mess. And that's what I, when people say to me about climate change and things like that, it's one of the first things I say, we're destroying this planet. And uh, it's not about taxing us more, about paying more tax to try and heal it up. Because what, what's that going to do? What it is, is about is actually doing something to stop it happening i.e people with degree take 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 um and addressing that and saying well how much more can they pay their ancestry to survive on this planet is a great 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 grandchildren like billions and billions and billions 
into these corporations to look after them. And I'm, I'm not a socialist or anything like that, because I, I, th- I like the idea of people being able to thrive on the planet. I love that idea, because I think we should do, because we're amazing. But I think also when people start to grab, and they're in the positions of grabbing, that's where I, I see where it's all going wrong, because they grab and they just throw away. They're not worried about the end product. All they're worried about is the bottom line. In the 70s, early 80s, we used to have a commercial over here with the Maytag repairman. And the Maytag, Maytag was a company that made dishwashers and wash, uh, washing machines and stuff. And they would always pride themselves that the Maytag repairman was lonely because no one ever called him because their products were so good. Wow. We had pride. It's just like the the union, you know, look for the union label because when you bought clothes and you knew the union label was there, it was a good solid organization. But even, even our clothes have become that. Our clothes have become disposable. And to segue back to what you were saying about products, we have an upright freezer, or I have an upright freezer, and the digital plate broke. And so the fr- the freezer quit working. And some people just said, well, it's just time to get a new one. No, I went online. I went on YouTube. I saw that you can replace it. So I found the tutorial. I ordered the part and I fixed it. Amazing. And the thing is, if we actually took the time to fix the products that are broken instead of going, oh, well, I'll just get a new one. Mm. And yeah, the phone, our phones do become, it's like, they, they're, we're going to give you an upgrade. We're going to give you an update. Oh, guess what? I'm sorry. It turned it into a brick. You're going to have to get a new phone now. Yeah. <clears throat> this is, is absolutely incredible. Yeah, we used to have these little shops here. I'm sure you had the same where you'd go into these shops and it was just all full of little boxes with little screws and little bits and pieces in it. And you, you'd take whatever you're trying to get fixed to the man on the shelf. He was usually a bit dusty because he'd been fixing things all day. And he would look at something, scratch his head a little bit, and then go to a little box in the corner of the shop, pull something out and fix it up. And you go, wow, what a skill that was. And that was all gone. And, and my wife and I, we, we noticed that when those shops started to disappear. And it was just this these other shops of recycling, actually the rubbish that had been thrown away, um, or, or, or say smartphones that like one year old were coming out in these sort of exchange shops. I'm thinking, well, they're only one year old. Why are they in the exchange shops? I didn't realise this was going over, uh, turning over so quickly, but it isn't now so much. Apparently the smartphone sort of need to get the, the latest one is kind of dying down a little bit, but it all needs to die down. We need to really think about being sustainable in our home. I make it, yeah, comfortable, make it get the things you like around you, get the art or the the technology that you like around, get it really comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that, but try and get things to last because it's just ridiculous going from what I remember going from vinyl, which is a brilliant product to CD which was an okay product to MP3, which you've lost <laughs> so much quality in the music. And don't forget cassettes that are in the Oh, cassettes were yeah. just, just after that. Yeah. They were yeah. kind of around the vinyl time. They, then that was, that was good quality. Yeah. 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 Forgot about cassettes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and CDs. And you can see this whole depreciation of quality. It's like the shirt I've got here is like a cotton organic cotton from India. And I love it because it's just, it's very basic. It's just got a nice collar, nice shirt, lovely color. Every time you wash it, it comes out this brilliant white. You don't have to worry about it too much. The ironing is not too fussy either. 
but it, and it's not expensive, but it, it's it's great clothing. I love it, and I've got lots of clothing like that now that I just love, and it's not particularly fancy or expensive, but it's good quality and robust, so I can wear it again and again, rather than having. I've got. I have still got from my my rock days some fancy shirts and things like that that are expensive because that's what you had to do is, is to right. wear the, the expensive stuff. But I still look after them and I still wear them occasionally. That's, that's not a problem either. But it's good clothes. Whereas I'm seeing people just plow through clothes time and time and time and time and time again and, and making so many clothes that how many people are going to wear them? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. In- the fact is we have become such a consumable society. And I was talking to a gentleman, um, a musician who's releasing a record this Friday, and I've listened to his record and he created this to be listened to from beginning to end. And he's, I think he's in his early thirties. So beginning to end, you can, you're supposed to listen to the record and he's released several singles on Spotify. And we got into a discussion because now people don't want that album experience. They Mm. want, I want a new single each month. I want a new single mm-hmm. each month. And it's like you're, but, and, and I presented to him, I said, can you imagine? And granted, he's younger. I said, can you imagine if they did that with the wall, with Pink Floyd's The Wall? Mm-hmm. And, and you took away these these massive albums that you have to listen to as an experience. Can you, just taking that away, I mean, do you, mad, do you see what you're missing by doing that? Because we're becoming such a consumable society. We're actually losing a bigger picture of things. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I listened to Money off the album and it was like a, it was like a played on the radio and I just found that a very strange experience because I've just used to listen to the whole album mm-hmm. and it was always usually at the end of an all night party when the morning sun was coming up and you'd put Money on and you go uh, Dark Side of the Moon on and you go, wow, you know, what is he singing about? This is amazing stuff. <laughs> Is that really profound? And and it was it was it's a journey. It's taking you yeah. through this whole journey of time and space and expanding your mind. And then these like the 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 woman who was singing um, that amazing riffy stuff. And it was just it was a journey that you went on. And that's what I did with my album Manahato. Was it was supposed to be a journey? You listen from it from beginning to end. It's a it's a journey up your chakra system as it were the eastern philosophies of chakras and you should listen to it from the beginning to end but also focus your mind on the areas where the, where the music's coming up through and it's designed to do that but it's not the way that the world is or human beings are being programmed to listen to music now or actually, anything in our life that's the thing it's like as we've progressed and even like tiktok has now come out with a 15 second video okay so we, we went from the mtv attention span to five minutes, maybe max, then to the internet where we're keep making that attention span get smaller and shorter. And how does your brain, your brain can't function like that. Your brain no. can't handle learning inner, anything like that because you, you got don't have very, focus. Very sophisticated brain. And this is what I explain when, when I'm doing my, my course with people, when they've got um, issues with other people, especially is if you think of all your life, say say this microphone is you, and you've got all these different people in your life have got all these different experiences putting onto you, and they've got all these different experiences coming onto them. So they're not always going to be reacting from their best place. Neither are you. And it, it becomes this complicated web where your brain can put it a little bit better together when you realize, oh, well, 
Janie said that to me, but she'd just been through that. And I knew him who put her through that, and he's just been through that. And then it becomes, you become a little bit more compassionate with if someone's treated you a little bit badly. But if you've got um, a problem with someone interacting with you, when you're in the state of not having that compassion, you're bang, get away mm -hmm. from me. Who the hell do you think you are? And this is where it's all going wrong with humanity because we're not looking at that grey space in between us of a difference of opinion. Thomas Jefferson said, that's where the magic lies. The two differing opinions, if you look at the middle bit, that's where the magic lies and where you can actually work out, okay, we can both agree on this little area here or this little area here. And that's where your democracy actually comes from. That's where that's what it's supposed to be. And especially in America with the founding fathers, obviously Thomas Jefferson being one of them, that was it. But that's going out the window because there's there's no gray area. It's just I'm here, you're there, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Mm -hmm. And there's a problem there with our brains. And you're right, it's because partly to do with our attention span being crushed, and also to do with us being in a perpetual state of fear. I, uh, I'm not sure whether I mentioned menticide um, when I was speaking to you last time, which was a fascinating word that I, I found. And basically what it means is, is the destruction of the mind. So what, what happens is you get a series of frightening events that happens, usually on a big scale, because you're talking about menticide, the destruction of a group mind. So big, big events happening whether contrived, conspired, or just happening naturally, they keep happening, and they happen again, happen again. And someone starts putting the dots together and saying, hang on a minute, people are actually gaining from these problems. That's when you gaslight them, i.e. you tell them, oh, don't worry, you're, you're, you're not feeling so well today, you should go back and take a sleep because you're, you're, you should take a nap. So you've got this problem happening, which they call menticide, destruction of the group mind. So if you do pop out of that, you you gaslighted, and then in the like the mainstream media, when they giving you a narrative, they don't always close the narrative. So in NLP, they call it an open loop. So they just pop in a narrative to you. So you suddenly get this opinion put into you. And therefore, that's when you take this black and white stance on, say, a narrative that's happening, where there's probably a million and one things that have happened in that grey area that have caused that to happen. So on the other side as well, if someone's, say, pro-establishment, someone's anti-establishment, you'll have all the conspiracy guys going, rah, 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 and all the other guys going, rah, 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 and they'll never meet in the middle because they can't see all the different nuances that have happened to bring that position into where it is. And I just found when I when I was listening to someone being interviewed on that, and they, they were mentioning that mental side uh, gaslighting and open loops, I just went, well, yeah, that's kind of explaining where we're at as human beings at the moment, because there's a, a great divide, a great divide. And I, I'm, I'm trying to bridge that by getting people to open their minds a little bit to the nature of their reality, which is what, what I do. And it's hard because you're, you're, coming up against really strong belief systems. And I try and say, let's just try and get to the truth of things rather than trying to hold on to a belief system. And that's really difficult. It's really difficult because that's what we're trained to do because our attention span gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And we don't want to come out of our comfort zone, which I call our ego. So you want to stay safe in your place, which is true. We all do we want to stay safe. 
but that gets wired into you. So you, you don't want to come out of your comfort zone. So therefore you'll, you'll fight in any way that you possibly can to stay in that comfort zone. And it's just, to me, it's fascinating how this time that we're living in is, is unfolding because you've got enormous, amazing things happening on our earth. Absolutely beautiful things, but also terrible things that are happening as well. And you're going, wow, this is what they call in the Tao philosophy, the yin and yang of the world is like, whoa, you know, it really is dark and light at the moment with elements of light and the dark and elements of dark and the light. It's, it's um, quite incredible what we're seeing, how it's all coming out at the moment. It is, um, the world is an incredible place, but there's so many, I, I personally think there's so many brilliant things happening. I think all of this stuff that's happening to us will melt away and go to, go to, the, go to the side because I think human beings are so intelligent, incredible, resourceful, and um, once I think they get past the conditioning of being stuck in a digital world, I think the kids will come through this. And I've got things to back that up as well, because they, they, in, in Korea, South Korea, they call they, they set up the Benjamin School, and where these young kids are learning to be the best versions of themselves. And I, when I was over in Korea in 2016 with the British Kigong team, and we, we did our um, tournament there, we, which we won, it was amazing to see them. And these kids of like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, a few of them have, have, have became a head chef in one of the top uh, Korean restaurants in Seoul. One of them became a really top mechanic. They're really amazing human beings. Like they're so bright, resourceful, not worried about anything, no fear in them, confident, polite, courteous, all the good things. And you go, wow. If they can do that, because now in South Korea, I believe they've got Qigong on the, um, in every school, going into every school now, which is what I've trained under. So basically that's all is, is what Qigong is, sounds like this fancy martial art. It's just getting to know yourself, i.e. taking the time to meditate. And meditation isn't sitting there on the side of a mountain going, oh, which it could be if you wanted it to be. It's just you focusing on yourself. How do you feel right now? And people go, well, I don't know. I feel a bit... Uh, fuzzy in the head oh okay well let's do some breathing try and clear that you know it's it's just knowing yourself and knowing what you need because you know some of the callings of the physical body so when you're thirsty if you if your mouth is dry you've left it too long before you drank water but drink some water or tea or something and the same with the hunger hunger could be thirst or it could be that you need to eat something so you, you haven't been diligent with take your food intake so same with our energy and our, and our focus and our concentration, that's what they call in the Vedas, Sakshi Bhav, which I, I thought was incredible. It was like the original spiritual beginnings of mindfulness. So all it means is witness mentality, witness your mentality as you go through your life. It's so easy to just, all the good stuff. It's easy also to let the distractions of the world. I mean, I have a friend who she'll be like, well, I looked at the news today and I'm like, she goes, and it just messed with my head. And I'm like, then why do it? <laughs> why? It's not, I, I, I say to herself, and I mean, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand, know no. what's going on in the world, but you're, you're letting it affect you at your core. So then yeah, how is this actually going to help you if it's just going to, you know, just wear you down? And, and this brings into the other thing of how are we socialized for the last roughly year and a half, two years? We've all socialized this way. We've socialized with mask on so we couldn't see everybody's face completely. And so the socialization of who we are has completely changed. 
And some people have lost their noodle online. I mean, you've seen them go nuts in a grocery store or whatever. And it's like, I understand civil discord, but that's not civil discord. That's just straight up being a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost going back into the childhood um, ways of being. And I've I've seen that a lot um, with the elderly people that I've been training with, with the Qigong. Took them a long time to come back into the classes. And when they do, and they're looking very hollowed out, I think is the best word, and, and, and just empty. And in the wrong way, because that's what we're trying to do with the Qigong is like empty yourself, get rid of all the garbage and all the stress. But they look like sunken. Well, that, that's the thing. There's two different ways to be empty. There's an empty way to have all the toxic stuff out. And then there's the empty way where you are so overwhelmed with everything that has happened or gone on that you are gutted and you're numb. I mean, it's yeah, the U2, it's yeah. the U2 song. I'm feeling numb. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was the numbness and the overwhelm of of coming into human interactions again. And I've really worked hard. I've really put all my energy into the first few months of coming out of lockdown to entice more people to come. And they came back. All the people came back in the end. I lost quite a few of them just through being isolated. They died because they just couldn't cope with it anymore, which I found really sad. But the ones who did come through, they really appreciate actually coming back together. And I said, all of this stuff that's happening in the world, you know, don't don't focus on the news, but know what's happening. Find your news sources where you can find it in a way that you can drip feed it to yourself rather than having a like a half an hour or an hour, however long the news show is, bombardment of just negative, negative, negative. Because mm-hmm. it's not, we're not designed to be like that. We're designed... Our, our nervous system is designed for quick bang. Oh, my goodness me, this is bad. I'm out of here. That's mm-hmm. what it's designed to do. Or I'm going to play like a dead mouse and just collapse. That's what we're designed to do. We're not designed to have this 24-7 bombardment of negativity towards us. And this is where all the problems are coming from. Because people are turning on the news. They're believing in it. They're, they're seeing that they, they, they're forming belief systems from what being what's being told to them. And there's always an angle. Doesn't matter whether it was left or right, or a corporate angle, or a lobbyist angle, or any, any other. There's always an angle to it. There's never a hundred percent truth coming out of any news. I don't think personally, um, and that's only my opinion. But it's, it's what I feel is true, and it's I look at because I look at it, and, I, and I've been watching. Well, actually, it was when I, one of my Harry Krishna friends, when I used to hang out with him, he said to me, "Why watch the news?" He says. It's just going to be another cycle in, in a few years' time with the same thing happening, but just different players. That's all he said. He said, I've been watching it for years now and just see the different players come in and out. I said, why worry about it? And I go, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and there's two points here because, yeah, we do actually cycle through. And astrology ties nicely into – there used to be an astrologer. He passed away since then. But he would take – the current astrology and match it up to past historical events which was always fascinating how during these cycles they play out exactly how they played out before the other thing when you're talking do you remember the movie the fifth element oh yeah when she's watching that when she's trying to learn and she's watching the television and all the pain she sees because of all the violence and how she's crying i mean that is that is the perfect image for what you've described because that is it you know, we immerse ourselves in this toxic 
fearful place, how are we ever going to see that there's hope? Mm-hmm. If we're constantly, you know, our, our news here, national news here on one of the channels, they'll always do this. It's news, 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 maybe a, a, a positive story about something that's found medically. And then we'll give you a happy story at the end. But we've given you all this, this grief and, and murder and genocide and everything else prior to put a little mm-hmm. bow on it with a cherry on top and go, here you go. Here's yeah. the story about the puppy that found its owner 2,000 miles away. Yeah, where did that come from? Uh, that, that's what interests me about the uh, ufology um, community. Uh, I, I've seen things in the sky that I, I can't explain. I don't, I don't, we've got no idea. I've got no claims to know any, any of it. But if you think about it from a different perspective again, and then ask why if there are i can't believe that we're the only species in the, like a, a, a enormous universe there's no there's no way of that but who would be interested if they were like a more advanced race to come down and speak to us because of exactly what you just said there who would be interested you watch all the the terrible treatment of human beings terrible treatment of animals terrible treatment of unnatural resources terrible treatment of nature and they'll be they fly over and go I'm not going there. Yeah, it's like <laughs> lock the doors, lock the doors, roll up the windows. We're not going there. But, but you bring up a good point about UFOs. It, it ties back into what you were initially talking about the pyramids, because these pyramids are placed in a specific in specific energy points in yeah. the world, and yeah. people are like, "Well, no, no, that was just man did that and everything else." I'm like, "Really? Yeah, possibly, but really? Yeah." I mean, I agree. I can't. I think it's very much our ego that says, "Oh well, we're the only ones here." Really? No. No. Uh, in in the Vedic scripts, they talk about um, the demigods, and they're not from this planet. And the same with um, they talk about uh, the Nephilim in the Bible, and they're not from this planet. It says it in the Bible. For goodness' sake, it says um, daughters of uh, it's the daughters of the the women, but these. Fallen angels come and produce children with the, with with the daughters of man. So it's, it's saying that the Nephilim and in the the Sumerian text they talk about the Anunnaki and things like that. I mean, I'm I'm no expert on it, but it's just fascinating to think that some of these enormous structures that have been built on our planet are like we couldn't build them today. They're so incredibly technologically advanced and. Some of the clues that they've left on the planet, you go, how could they have left these things on the planet? And how would they leave us clues to say that we were here, but we were bigger than actually you, you will know? And, and that's when it comes to like crop circles and, and stuff like that. You go, well, yeah, four or five percent look like they're real. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's some jokers making up 95 percent of them. It's incredible to think of what's happening on this world, which is why I call this illusionary world, which is what that comes from the Vedas, like the Maya, the illusion world, which is this bombardment of just negativity. When actually in your little place where you live, this isn't so bad at the moment. I can drop my shoulders. Mm, I can breathe in. I can enjoy this moment. Hang on a minute. You know, this is not so bad. And that's, I personally feel that's part of our lessons as a journey. If you want to call us a spiritual being, spirituality is you. It's not reading a book and learning it and going through all these different rituals and revelations that you've got to do and learning. Yes, wise words will always give you wisdom. 
But it's up to you to incorporate that wisdom into your life. And that's your spirituality. No one tells you what it should be, I feel. I think you should be sovereign as a human being. No one tells you how you should be. And I've got great respect for tribes like the Aborigines and Native American Indians who say, actually, my spirituality is very personal to me. And I'm not sure if I want to share it with you at the moment. And I think that's 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 okay, because it is. It's your own personal experience. And in our culture today, if you have like a deeper experience to this life, like I meet lots of clairvoyance and clairsentience and they, they see things a bit deeper into our reality, people laugh at them. We had one at school. We had, there was a girl called Rachel. And she went, one day at school, she went bananas. And because we were close friends with her, we took her back to her house. And for a whole night, she was like trembling. There's, there's a plane crash. It's a plane crash coming. It's a plane, and she kept saying, "It's a plane crash coming." Sure enough, next day, quite close to us, a plane crashed. Mm-hmm. And you go, "My goodness me, what was that all about?" You know, and then you realise there's a lot more to us than well, meets the eye. I get stuff in my dreams. I get a lot of stuff in my dreams. A month before my husband died, I had a dream about basically where he died at, and a tornado wow. picking up the car and saying, "I don't want to die," and he died in the car. Okay. So, I mean, it's more detailed than that, but yeah, I mean, when people sit there and I've talked to spirits and stuff and it's like when people sit there and go, well, that's not real. How do you, you know, my husband was always a good propensity for asking, how do you know the first couple of years we were together, but after a certain point he was getting his own stuff. It's like, dude, just, just face facts. Just realize you got it. And we all are intuitive. It's just, we all, goes back to what you're saying we're all so inundated with outside stuff that we don't connect with it mm. it's just we each connect differently with it but then when we are so bombarded we just shut it down and go okay we'll listen to fear mm. and everything else that's being compounded on us and embrace that because it's easier now you before we go anywhere because i know we're, we're almost an hour in the dream method you wanted to talk about that so let's talk about that yeah my dream method i've just been doing this exactly what we're just talking about is actually breaking down our preconceptions of this the life so the first part of the the dream method is d which is discoveries and it's just discovering what triggers you what, what's stuck in your body now they've, they've got some um, scientific evidence showing that our emotions do get stuck in our body um where it's a good question because you need to find that out and but it's firstly finding out the cycles. So it's discovering your cycles, where your negative cycles come. And if you keep turning on the news and you're getting bombarded with all this stuff, nothing will ever come to you in, in that respect because you just got this washing machine of garbage just going round and round in your head. So it's discovering those uh, problems. And, and the best thing to do with that is, is to write down your negative thoughts and your positive thoughts on a regular basis so that you can come back to them and realize what's rubbish and what's real to you. And it's, it's really want people to start to discover what's real and what's not. There's a, there's truths, fundamental truths really buried inside of us, like uh, integrity and diligence and, and responsibility courteousness and i feel these and and trust actually trust with each other i think these are all really inside of us that are with each other as human beings and we lose that because we're in these negative cycles so the first part of the dream method is discovering that 
And then the second part is the realizations of that with simple techniques that you can start to soothe that very quickly, especially that mistrust with yourself mainly, but with other people, you can start to trust other people. So you start to realize, yeah, okay. Now I've, I've, I've found out where these negative cycles are. And now I want to move myself into realizing where they are. What do I do to get rid of them? Well, actually, you actually embrace them because we're taught in this society to push them down, ignore them. So you meet these men who, who look like rocks, you know, and they're just all power. And, you, and then you, you scratch that surface and go, oh, God, but that really hurt. And I'm just putting up a front, you know, and you go, well, there you are. That's you mm. as a human being, not this thing as a front and women do it as well it's not just it's not just men but women do it as well we put up these fronts that actually if you scratch the surface it hurts and we're not they're not embracing their life properly not embracing people properly and that's what the the third part of the, that's the e in the dream method and i remember that as a musician when i was touring and gigging i was always going and having the deeper meaningful conversations after well i was the bass player of the band for goodness sake the bass players are notorious for going and having deep deep meaningful conversations with everybody so i was doing this and i was realizing there was a lot of people who had put up this great fun yeah great gig but you know oh god you know life is and then all of a sudden the problems started coming out they're putting up this facade this front and i realized it's like embracing it's to do with your heart your heart chakra because especially if you're empathetic or a bit of an empath, your heart goes in and out like a concertina. So one minute you go, oh, I want to save the world. I say, no, hang on a minute, I can't even save myself. You know, you, you, you've got this whole thing going in and out, in and out. And that's what I found with a lot of the clients that I work with is to, to, to bring that into balance. So that actually people think is cutting out your empathy. It's not as actually, your empathy actually starts to increase and you realize Actually, if I put more good energy into this collective consciousness of ours, this is what's going to fix this mess and corrupted sort of dirt that we're in at the moment. And that, that's how you do it. So that's the E. The A is actually actualizing your life to that. So you started to learn different types of meditations and rituals and you start to actualize the life that you want, i.e., which is what I do now, you know, I'm laughing a lot. Um, with people, I, I speak to people a lot, and I laugh a lot because it's. I find it. Fu I find it funny. I'm thinking these people are still doing this. You got to be kidding me, right? They, they, they're still getting away with that. And I used to be really angry. Now I'm not so angry. Still got the anger inside of me, but I turn that into a positive energy. So I'm actualizing the life that I want while working against all of this corruption and all this um, disharmony that's happening in in human beings. And the last part of the dream method is making all of this stuff your own. So there's like little meditations that you can learn or little techniques that can really hack you into the moments quickly, very quickly now. And you can make this practice your own so that you stay calm. You can stay connected with yourself rather than being thrown away with these thoughts or, or feelings. So if you think about thoughts, you can, you can observe them. But as soon as you start to interact with them, you start to think. And there's a, I can't remember his name, so so that's a bit useless. But this guy, he works with animals. He's an Englishman and he works with animals. And he and he teaches like a little technique about uh, just observing your thoughts. So your, uh, your brain sort of starts to come down, starts to calm down. The brain frequency, the brain activity starts to come down. So you're lowering, lowering, lowering. And he works with troubled animals. 
And he does it with these troubled animals, which is what I've done now with this dream method of coming this together is, is to bring this frequency down and down and down. And now with my cats, we've got a problem with our cats because they, the boy, little boy, doesn't want to get on with a little girl. And um, he keeps wanting going and nicking her food. And we used to scream at him, Jimmy, get back in now what, what what I'm doing is is lowering my brain frequency, coming down into that moment and just telepathically picturing him going back to his bowl. And now he doesn't go and try and find find her food. He goes to his own food. I'm going, my goodness me, you know, this is there's a there's a communication we've got here, which I think we should, we all need to try and learn in some respects, because it's a far deeper than conversation and, and words. Words are really sloppy and, and you can misinterpret them you can take them the wrong way and we we tend to get oversensitive with words sometimes and i think that's a problem as well but this dream method gives you all of that which is why i love doing it uh teaching it because you see the results from somebody who's completely stressed out and all over the place to someone who's really calm and and, and realizing what their profound purpose in this life and mainly the profound purpose i think we all have is to help each other because when i speak to people saying when do you feel your best and i used to I really, really made me think because i thought i've had some amazing moments when i've been gigging amazing moments as a, as a live musician i've had some amazing moments in in um playing life obviously but i think the the, the most profound shakes of me is when i'm actually helping somebody and seeing them improve in front of me. I think that is the real, even get goosebumps just saying that now is it's like, Oh my goodness me, that's incredible. Look at you now. That's incredible. From someone who is almost suicidal to someone who's like, yeah, I'm going to get on with this now and get on, you know, it's like fantastic stuff. So it's really, to me, I love the, it's, it's like finding going from like a, your emotional wounds as, as a child or whenever they were, to really finding a profound purpose. That's what I call the dream method. And it's not about setting goals. It's our left brain, society, madness sets the goals. And therefore you've got that goal and you do everything in your left brain, physicality with your body moving towards it, you can, and you exhaust yourself. Whereas if you do it with like a dream or an actualization or your imagination, which our imagination gets crushed, crushed when we're very young, you do that with your imagination, your subconscious will start moving towards that place. And that's when the big things start to happen. Maybe not big things as in you know, massive YouTube numbers or massive record sales or anything like that, but the what big things. What is meant things, for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's meant for you. So that's, that's actualizing that through the dream method. And that's what I've, come up with as a course online course and coaching course and it's it's is how we should be i this is i really do believe this is how we should be as human beings rather than this left brain automaton that's getting more and more attached to technology that's gonna not be very happy at all when, when if it carries on this way it's, it's, we're gonna see less and less happiness is the wrong word less and less joy and interaction with the natural world and you, we are nature we are nature. Mustn't ever forget that. We're not detached from nature. We are nature. We're part of this natural world. We're like a piece of bacteria in our gut sitting on the earth. So we're like a little piece of bacteria on the earth. 
So these little pieces of bacteria in our gut are intelligent. We're intelligent. We sit on the earth. The earth is intelligent and we have intelligence even beyond that. So where that intelligence goes beyond us is incredible, but I, I, I've got no idea what it is. But when I've got into the meditation of samadhi, they call it samadhi, where you reach, you're not male or female or you're not um, anything really of this physical domain. You're kind of in that space. You go, well, what is that? Because I've got no concept of that whatsoever as a human being. But when I get to that place in the meditation, you go, now I see what the yogis are talking about. Now I see what the mystics are talking about. But I, I don't want to be one, but I, can, I, I, I get what they're on about. And I think that's where a lot of people are heading now as human beings, just by living a life of passion and goodness. So you do what you like doing, but make sure while we still have this crazy monetary system, it's, it's, it can be monetized a little bit so that you can survive off it, of it rather than living off a dream, which is ridiculous. Like a lot of children, kids I speak to who are coming into music, go, what do you want to do music for work? Because I want to be famous. You go, no, no, no. You do music because you love it. Yeah. You do music because you love it. I had that conversation with my stepdaughter. Um, I had left her dad like six years prior and for her 16th birthday, she wanted a bass guitar. And while she was acting out and everything and I, they called me to come talk to her. I'm like, okay. And so we're in the car and I'm like, she's like, yeah, I got a bass guitar. I'm going to be in a band. And I just looked at her and said, did you know that I used to be a bassist? She goes, what? I'm like, yeah, I used to have bass guitar. I used to play. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I said, but I got to tell you this. She said, what? I said, unless you really love music, don't do it. She goes, what do you mean? I said, don't do it. I said, my mom used to tell me to, you know, go to school and get a degree. And then if I wanted to be a bassist, do that. I said, but the fact of the matter is I wanted to be a bassist because I wanted to be famous and I wanted to meet some people. And <laughs> that's why I did it. I said, and that's why it, I mean, I enjoyed playing, don't get me wrong. And I would, I could play very easily, but I didn't do it because it was my passion. Mm. I can sit down and write and that I'm passionate about my writing, but that's the thing. So many people now, especially nowadays, it's like, if I can get those numbers on TikTok, I started posting daily on TikTok. I do a card reading on TikTok. Some days I get 2000 hits, some days I get 400. You know what? I'm okay either way. I don't care. And I think that's where you have to really just go, I'm releasing the control. When when you were talking, because right now I'm at a, a real big junction in my life that I will be moving and this is a house I've lived in since 2012 and there's a lot of flux in my life. And there's been times recently that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death. But then I, I sat there this weekend and I thought about it's like, okay, so when Live Aid was announced, I was babysitting and I was like, man, I would get, I really, really want to go. I'm living in a, I'm living in Shreveport. There's no way they're going to have anything for me to be able to go. This is a pipe dream. I'm 17 years old. Fast forward several months, the radio station's giving away tickets. My friend and I have to stay up so many nights. And the night before the final day of the contest, this girl comes running out. And she's like, oh, my gosh, my sister just won tickets to Rick Springfield. And we're like, well, that's great. She ran off and my friend and I looked at each other. And we're like, we're going to Live Aid. We wouldn't find this out until Monday. This was Saturday. And wow. sure enough, we ended up. But the whole fact of the matter is I believed it so wholeheartedly. And that's the thing. I think if you release the fear and even like the situation it's like i don't know where i'm going 
But I do know ultimately, just like this house that I live in, ultimately somehow it's going to work out. And I know a lot of people are like, well, that's just pie in the sky, willy-nilly attitude. But it's like you have to get there because you can't live in the negative. My mother would tell me I was going to fall flat on my face, and maybe I will. But I'll get back up. Mm. And that's where we have to we have to look at that energy and change our mindset. Yeah, it's getting up. It's, it's not looking at the fall. It's looking at the comeback. The comeback is you, you can make the comeback even more powerful. There's many, many times when in the music business where I was working as a musician, things would just go really badly wrong. You think, oh, God, why am I doing this? And it did get to the point where I got to a certain age. Um, and my, I was talking about this with my wife um, actually yesterday. And you got to bow out gracefully sort of thing and say, I can't, I'm not young enough or resilient enough in my body to do this anymore. And that I got to that point, I think, and so kind of bow out gracefully. But yeah, you, it's it's putting it into like a imagination. This is going to happen for me with not even a belief. You just know this is going to happen to you, happen for you. And yes, you might have a little bit of, disruption on the way but that disruption usually makes you stronger so you can get to a better place anyway i love that analogy of the the chicken and the egg or the chick and the egg whereas if you see a chick pecking out of an egg and yeah your natural instinct as, as a caring human being is to help it pick the pick the shell off the egg but if you do that then that little chick might not be strong enough to go through the next phase of its life so I think when when problems do come, they do actually make you stronger. Um, so I think is accepting that we say get rid of security um, and control and recognition in the Tao philosophy. I think security, don't be stupid like give everything away and just go and live off the street. But you can do that because you'll probably end up in an ashram in India, and you'll probably be fine. You know, um, let go of security, but not not be silly about it. But let go of the feeling of wanting to feel secure, just give in to the the rolling way that life works. Um, security, if you, you let go of recognition, I don't do things because you want to be recognized, do things because you love doing them, which is right. what you were talking about. And security, recognition and control. Why do you want to control everything? It becomes boring. Oh, I know if I do that, that's going to happen. If I do that, that's going to happen. If I do that, what's going to happen? I don't know. Wow, that sounds exciting. <laughs> it's just we've been conditioned so much to want to have to control and be recognized for doing things and feeling secure in, 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 in ourselves and in our surroundings. There's, there's no, what I loved about the music business was it was wild and it, days were just unfolding and unfolding. And you go, oh, just give in with, to it. If you try to hold on to it, it would, it would really screw you up. So you just, unfolded with how reality came out and i think that's what we're missing as human beings now because it becomes get up have your breakfast go to work get home have your dinner watch tv go to bed repeat and it's like you don't want to do that because it just makes you dull and and uh, it just it kills your passion for life whereas if you like me i've got many different things i do i'm actually starting to learn jazz calls now which is quite interesting so I do a lot of um, Zoom work. I do a lot of Qigong work as well. And in between the times when I've got 10 minutes, I just sit there and pick up another jazz call, start putting it into like uh, 
my own one. I, I, I'm, I'm listening to myself playing. Going, oh my god, what's happened to you? You this. <laughs> <laughs> We evolve, and the thing what I want to touch on too is about you know when people look at manifesting manifesting something when you're trying to create your vision of what your life is going to be, you have to release that control because guess what? You can picture everything perfect, and this is a problem with a lot of people. They will think they want something so badly that when they get it, it's just not because they put so such high expectations on it. But the fact of the matter is, you have to look at it and go, it's and lower your expectations. Just lower and and be accepting of what is provided mm-hmm. you know it may not be perfect but guess what if this is what you asked for and it happened then you work from it you deal with what you have mm-hmm. and you move forward and accept it but we don't do we we it's like the first time i, I was uh, i got um a publisher something published um from a, a publisher and I got really excited and then after about five minutes, excitement dropped. We go, well, what next? <laughs> it was like, uh, it was like the big build up to get this thing done. And I was thinking, well, no, just let it go. And then when it happened, I think when I got to deal with uh, new world music, I walked down to my wife and said, oh yeah, they've accepted that I'm going to, I'm going to sign up with them and, and get it released on their label. She went, <laughs> 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 I was like, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's all right. It's, it's just, a, it's a, you know, it's just one of those things. And it's, it is, it's just, just accept it. And it's never, it's never as big as you think it's going to be. If you, it's, it's, it, I think it was the Simpsons, which have some wonderful insights into human um, beings. And it, it was a, a French guy who was like dating Marge. He goes, sometimes it's just the anticipation that's more, thrilling than the actual event happening it's the anticipation it's the build-up mm-hmm. so if you're not having that big build-up and you're allowing things just to fold unfold out and then you this these things happen i think you appreciate it more it's the anticipation before something happens like yeah this is going to happen it's going to happen i'm going to you know i'm going to i'm going to fulfill my dreams and then no life never stops it never mm-hmm. stops and if, when you when you do do that you can see where people get especially when i work with the elderly when they get so bitter because they wanted to get to this certain place. They got to this certain place and then they, they kind of, they're so tight with that, they never let go. So they're still tight and rigid when you're trying to get them to do like soft Qigong moves to try to move their wrists or just sway or do some deep breathing where their, 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 their gut comes in and out. They're so tight because they're stuck in that position. They've been stuck in that position for years and you've got to let it flow. Everything is supposed to flow. The energy is supposed to flow through us. Our thoughts and mind, everything's supposed to flow. Your thoughts are supposed to flow through you. And we grab hold of a thought because it's negative, and then we, we take that thought process along with us, and it becomes a negative buzz in your head. And therefore, it's just another negative thought will come and attach itself to it, and then you, you're all of a sudden, you're, you're getting paranoid. And you, you think, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> or, or you're getting depressed or upset mm-hmm. or... It's terrible. And the thing is, we, you know, whether that's that negative thought, that negative thought has come from the outside. And we, we tend to want to have the outside not label us, but form us. And that's, it, it's true. I mean, that's how we, we learn in school. We learn from our parents. But the fact of the matter is that's not who we truly are at our core. No. So we have to try to get, especially because like you were saying earlier, 
our imagination, everything is tamped down. You're supposed to follow the rules. You're supposed to do this. And when you, you mentioned something about religion earlier, it's like the fact that about religion, modern day religion is taught to control us. We are taught that, well, you can't do that because that's a sin. You can't do that because, but yet we're going to ignore that you can eat, you shouldn't be eating shellfish or you shouldn't be wearing a blended fabric. We're going to ignore that. We pick and choose to see what's going to control you. Mm. That being said, you have to step back and go, okay, so who am I at my core and where did all this programming start and how do I deprogram myself? Mm. Well, you think about, this is why I teach in the dream method, you think about the DNA that comes into you from your, your mother and your father and both of these is carrying information. So you're going to have that swirling about in you as well. Yeah, it's all like, and then you've got this energy force, which some people call your soul or your consciousness or whatever you want to call it, that comes in as well. That's got information or knowledge or memories with that. So you've got these three things that are happening inside of you already as a human being. And they, they, they speak in the Vedas about you becoming conscious in the wound, even though you're in, in a very low brain state, you still have consciousness coming into you in, in the wound. So that is a pretty difficult place to be if, you, if you're coming from a very free place from your consciousness, which is expanding all over the place and it's coming into this tight place you're going to be traumatized when you come out of birth <laughs> it's going to be hard and then you've got this theta brain for seven years that is just absorbing um information all the time to try and work out what the heck am i doing here so mm -hmm. that that you get a lot of conditioning at that point which conditions your subconscious of like no don't do that stop being so stupid don't think about things like that you're being you know, yeah. your head's in the clouds, all this kind of rubbish. So we're getting conditioned. No, 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 no. So then you say, well, what are we? Then comes school at seven. And they go, well, here you are. This is you. This is what you got to do. Here's, here's your business. Here's your career. This is how the world works. And that's it. Full stop. Thank you very much. Good night. See you when you're 72 and when you, when you, when you come into the funeral, <laughs> your funeral. It's like, no, there's so much more to it than that. And I personally feel this is a learning school like earth is like a learning school where you're unpeeling your onion you just keep unpeeling it and you're unpeeling it you're trying to get down to the core of you which is so important because once you get to that core of you and you 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 can start connecting with the other elements of you in the vedic scripts they talk about it being a chariot which i love this analogy have you got the five senses being the five horses that drag the chariot along so sometimes one horse might get a little bit more like tastes. You might like food a little bit more, drinking a little bit more, whatever. Um, you might want to watch things. So you, you get hooked into a box set or whatever. So sometimes the five senses are running away with themselves and they're being controlled by the mind, which is the reins. And the mind will throw up thoughts and you can just ignore them. You don't have to accept the thoughts that come up. And usually the thoughts aren't you if they're coming from the five senses because they're not you. Our thoughts are not us. And then you've got the charioteer, which is your your um, intellect, which is always getting the knowledge from your five senses in your mind. So it should be growing. But I don't think it's growing so much in today's world. Then you have the chariot, which is your ego or sense of self, which we call the solar plexus chakra in our Qigong. And you can polish that up, make it all nice and tidy, or you can leave it scruffy. It's up to you. But at the back of it is your observer, which is what they call the soul. So you're looking at your charity, your mind, your five senses and your chariot, and it just observes. It doesn't do, have any interaction with it or any power over it whatsoever. But 
in saying that, the charioteer and the chariot and the mind and the reins and the horses can all get an influence from this observer. So it can be influenced by it, but it, this cannot, the observer cannot tell you anything so because it, because of free will, there is free will on this planet, can't tell you anything, but you can get information from that. And when you break down all of these elements to you and you start to meditate and get into this observer consciousness, you go, wow, this all looks so completely different, absolutely completely different. And what we're doing, we're all stuck in this place where we've been conditioned to see how it is. And when you look over here and you see actually how you can observe it, it's, 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 this is madness. But basically, basically what you're painting, I mean, I know it's not, but, but it's the matrix. Yeah. 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 Which they call the Maya. In, in the layman's terms, it's the matrix because, you know, you think steak tastes like this, but in all honesty, did it really taste like that? No. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the Matrix was wasn't really a film. It was more of an observation of, of one way of looking at us as a, a battery for mm. a, um, a, a yeah a Matrix, a, a place where we get stuck in. Then we think it's real, and that's what our ancestors said called it the Maya, the the illusory world that you get sucked into either by your five senses, by your mind, by your intellect, by your chariot, and your observers just sitting there going, "What are you doing?" Why are you doing that? What are you doing? And then finally, you, you if you do, you, you can reconnect back with your observer and you go, ah, okay, I was a bit of an idiot then. I'll uh, I'll, I'll improve on that. And you yeah. can, you can do this. And yes, religion is thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I think within reason, I think you should do things, as long as you don't hurt or harm anybody, you should experiment with all these different things, especially when you're young. Well, I mean, why do schools, and I don't know about over there, but over here, schools do not really embrace sexual education. We, we try to teach you abstinence. And okay, but let's be honest. Kids are going to be curious, and they're more curious now than they've ever been before. And they're starting younger. But we, we want to teach them abstinence. We don't want to teach them about birth control or anything else, or, or we, and we don't want women to know about pleasure. But why is that? Is it about control? Very much so. Mm. And if we have you guys feeling good, then you're not going to be in fear. So then we can't control. So, mm. so the hippies were kind of onto something back in the late sixties because uh, yeah. it was very freeing and, you know, but. I think also education in the respect that if you're going to involve, I like to call it making love rather than sexual experiences, if you're going to do that, you have to be careful mm -hmm. because if you produce a baby, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a life. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think uh, a lot of kids who are getting involved with, with like having children at a really early age are not uh, are horribly surprised. Yeah. So the education for all of that is, is terrible. It's terrible as far as I'm concerned, and it needs to be addressed. It does because it shouldn't be taboo. Um, mm -hmm. It is part of us. And, and yes, it should be kept to the bedroom, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not into Caligula and all this, like the big orgies and all this kind of, even though I've seen them in the music <laughs> I was going to say, you're in the music business, so don't play innocent on that one. I've them. heard of underwear parties and whatnot. So, oh, um, oh. Yeah, it's yeah. been incredible what you do see. But I think, I think I'm, I, I'm honest, well, I didn't get involved with it, but I saw it. And uh, 
Yeah, I think that was wrong. That was like over liberal in in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it should be taught, and we should be allowed to explore these feelings. And, and what worries me most of all is is the use of uh, chemicals with children who are going through feelings of having maybe they want to be a boy in the, in the girl's body or maybe they want to be a girl in the boy's body because I think we all go through these different hormonal changes, chemical reactions in our body and to actually act on that before it's been fully either moved out of the body or it, it could have just been a whim or a, t- a, a fancy or it could have been anything like that and it, it needs to be fully explored before anything's acted. But it seems to me that... Um, there's like they're putting things in the body that are blocking hormones and blocking feelings and thoughts and stuff like that. I'm going, oh my goodness me, you know, you're actually starting to change the interactions of the chemistries in your body, which is why I think is it's amazing that this body and brain or Qigong stuff is happening in Korea because they'll have a more better sense of what's happening in their body when they're, when they're mature and going through puberty and things like that. They'll have a more of an understanding of, actually analysing what's happening in their body rather than going, like you say, to an outside source. So what's happening to me? What's happening to me? Then, Because that outside source won't really know what's happening in that body. And I think because we're so intelligent that we will work out what sexuality we are, what we are, what we should be doing about it and things like that. But it's not, we're turning into like a nanny state where you're going to somebody else always for your answers. And I think all the answers are inside of us, all of them. Uh, I really do sincerely believe that. I mean, I think if your child comes to you and says they, they feel like they, you know, if it's a girl and they feel like they want to be a boy or whatever, then let them dress that way. Let them play with those gender roles. And then when they get older, then let them deal with that. But I am not an expert and that's, nah. that's a personal choice. And I, you know, I support personal choice in a lot of areas because that's the way it is. As long as you're not hurting somebody, it's a personal yeah. choice. Yeah, no, I've known many, many people. Um, there's quite a few people in the music business who transvestites, you meet them and they're lovely people, you know, it's just, um, that's what they that's what they choose to do and it's it's okay, you know, it's no problem. And like you say, as long as it's not hurting or harming anybody, that's the most important thing. But it's, it's finding you, I think, really is what I want human beings to do is finding the really the true essence of you and why you were here why you're here why why you were here why why are you here mm-hmm. <laughs> why are you here it's um like maybe you're here to write you know like you say you love writing is what you get uh, really lost in i get lost in so many different things music yes um teaching qigong yes when i when i when i do a really good class um, doing really good sound toning sessions. Yes, you know I love all of these different aspects of me. I love writing as well. I love mm-hmm. writing short blogs. Not so keen on the big books because it takes a lot of planning. <laughs> but that's me. And I'm very artistic and very quick. But I love writing blogs, and people do respond to them well. They go, "Wow, you you write so nicely." So I love creating. I'm I'm a creator, not at all this left brain trained automaton that most of the people I came out of school with are. They are. They're, they're the average, they go into politics or banking or corporate finance and things like that because of, that was the type of school I went to and I was completely rebelling against it. And they all 
my wife met them at one of my gigs that I did, a local gig, and they all came along to see how I was getting on. And she said she couldn't believe that there was like 10 boys came in a group and they all seemed exactly the same. And they were in their early 20s, all exactly the same. It's like, she couldn't believe it. They've got this. She said to me, what happened to your accent? I should have been speaking like this, you know, typical English public schoolboy. But no, my, I kept my Surrey accent. I didn't get convinced with the accent or anything like that. So she couldn't believe it. And I said, that's how much these schools condition people to be mm -hmm. like. They go into our society and they just, they just follow the meme that we're born into. And it is a meme. We're born into to think, well, this can't change. And I agree with people like Deepak Chakra, who's saying now, at least he's speaking out and saying, we live in a world that is psychotic, 100%. And when I saw he said that, I thought, whoa, Deepak, that's, that's really <laughs> stepping the boundaries. Because it's true, it is psychotic. And when you look at Krishnamurti's quote, of, uh, I love that quote, when he says, um, it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And he said that back in the 1970s, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's pretty strong stuff. And it is getting sicker and sicker and sicker our society. And I, but in saying that, there's more and more people having conversations like we're having, of like just pushing the boundaries, exploring it with our words, not having a fallout of opinions or not coming down too hard in one place to say, this is how it is. Because... We don't know what it is. We don't know how it is. We don't know what what this should be, but what we do know is not how it how it should not be. I think we're starting to agree on, on on certain elements. This shouldn't be like that, but it is. So, and it's actually coming to a way of healing. This shouldn't be like that. This this Maya, this illusion, and I think that's happening. I think like parallel groups of people are starting to work outside of like the mainstream. And that's starting to open up and you're getting wonderful people doing wonderful things, as I say, and it's just wonderful to see human beings coming to their full potential, which is when you do, you go, well, yeah, I can do so much actually in this world rather than being stuck in this. Oh, what can I do? I'm bored. You know, I've got nothing to do now. Goodness me, there's so much to do. <laughs> but, but, but you have to be willing to step out. I mean, it yeah. goes back to yeah. a simple thing of I had a conversation with somebody about a band. And she's like, well, they would never lie to us. And I'm like, really? She goes, no, they would tell it. They would always tell us the truth. I'm like, and I didn't say anything. I said something to somebody else. I'm like, does she not understand about public relations agents? Does she not understand <laughs> about fixers and cleaners and people that paint a narrative? Does she not understand that that's basically how our world runs? And I'm mm. not saying that we don't fully know what's going on, but at a certain point, everybody blames the president over here when something goes wrong. But the fact of the matter is the Senate and Congress have a lot of play before anything gets to the president, unless it's mm -hmm. an executive order. Mm. So, but we blame the president. Yeah. Well, he's, he's the figurehead. Well, the figurehead is not really the head. I was going to say head of state, but he's not really the head of state. I don't, think, I don't know who is the head of the state. Um, and it is a state as well. I've been watching Homeland recently. I think um, there's very uh, close analogies of how it works where it's a mess. You've got all these different agencies looking at each other and spying on each other. 
And then you get somebody high up in that agency having an agenda that comes in from outside. And then it's, it just all plays on each other. And you've got all these different people trying to work out what's really going on. And nobody's got a clue what is really right. going on. Um, and yet there is, I personally think there is a, something behind everything that's moving this in, in a um, certain way. And I think it's an energy because if you look, we talk about cycles and astrology. And when you when you think about the energies that come into the earth that create those cycles of astrology, they call it in the in the Vedas Kali. It's an energy of Kali. So if somebody's tuned in to that energy of Kali, they'll be acting in for the benefit of Kali, that energy. And it's not necessarily sitting there in dark suits and conspiring to do this. It would just be to bring that situation in. And I just find that fascinating. Well, here's a piece of fascinating. Uh, in February, the U.S. hit our Pluto return. So it's the same time when the I believe the Declaration of Independence was signed. So as we we are as they were putting it together, so we are all into this whole now. Our karma is coming back. How do we play with this? And and with Pluto, Pluto's kind of saying now you get to see the truth. You're gonna get to see things that you didn't want to see. Yes. So you'll see the flaws and the cracks. So we'll see. Well, that's what the uh, the Bible says. It is called the apocalypse, the apocalypto, the lifting of the veil. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, I think it's the Mayan calendar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it's like a 750 year cycle at the end of that. We're coming into like a short golden age in the Vedas. So there's all these different cycles coming in. Um, and that's why it's all going to go a little bit nuts. We're there. We're there with the nuts. The last two and a half years have been right up there with nutty land. That is for certain. That is and for I, certain. When the news comes on now, I put my hand on before it. I go, oh, no. <laughs> so, sometimes I think, you know, I had a claimant once because I used to work in insurance and I asked her, I said, is there anything I could, you did that you, to avoid the accident? She goes, I did what I, I did what I do. I, I did what I do with my son when he's scared. He's three years old. And anytime he's scared, I put my hand, I tell him to put his hands over his eyes and count to three. <laughs> okay. But did you do anything to avoid the car accident? I put my hands over my face <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, no way. <laughs> yes. Yes. I had a recorded statement with this and I'm just thinking to myself, so you didn't do anything. And in fact, most likely the accident most likely was worse because you didn't do anything. Jesus. But how many people are doing? I mean, yeah, I don't watch the news that often. I do look at headlines and stuff, but how many people are sitting there going, okay, you know, I mean, yeah. you can't totally, but Right now, yeah, anything's game. We're going to find out more things that we didn't want to know. And it's just going to, we have to look at the truths. And mm. that's where we will find our peace, I believe, if we look at our truths. Yeah, like I say, the truths are us, inside mm-hmm. of us. And uh, when you teach meditation, you teach Qigong, and you teach this um, sort of uh, connecting with yourself, there's always one thing that's always the same when somebody gets deeper into the meditation they found find the sea of tranquility inside of them is in every single one of us and when you can connect with that and you share that feeling or thought with somebody else you go yeah i felt that too Mm -hmm. so what are we then 
where are we coming from? What are we doing here? And why is this so mad? And that's, to me, that's something learning about yourself and learning that you are actually much more than your physical body. Your physical body is just a vehicle. And that's a, a really, for me, that was a, an enormous paradigm shift and made me a lot happier about everything. And realizing this body, actually, we don't know how much it can tolerate. Because you, you see what we've been through with all the plagues and all the, the diseases and everything's in our gut now that has ever been created in this world as a virus and things like that. You see that how amazing our bodies are and how adaptable we are, because if it wasn't there, we'd be dead. Okay. We were born without a bacterial gut coming from our mother's um, wound. We'd be dead. We'd, 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 they tried it. They, I, I think they did it with goats where they, they had a completely sterile um, environment where these goats were born into the sterile environment. They tried to keep them as clear from bacteria as possible. As soon as they opened the, the, the environment to let them out into the world, they were dead within you know minutes wow. because of the bacteria hitting them. So we need this amount of dirt to, for us to survive on this planet. And that's what we don't seem to really get is that we're part of this which is why I find it a bit worrying when people have, uh, just every element of their home is antibacterial sprays and things like that. I just think, what, what are you doing? Because you need some of that in your, in your, on your hands. You need bacteria on your hands. You need it on your skin. You need everything is, is connected with each other. And when we, if we are like with my garden and you're getting the earth to the best possible way that it can be by using your compost and, and leaf mold and cutting and shredding up your leaves, and the soil becomes really soft and full of worms and full of bugs, that's the same as your gut. It's the same elements in that soil as your gut, which is where your food is growing. So we're so connected to this world. It's, it's, it makes me sound like a hippie. <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing is, I was going to say, most people, when we eat, we don't eat healthy. We eat fast food. We eat uh, you know, all the processed stuff. Our society has gotten so far away from Sunday dinners that we, you know, we don't even get out of our car. McDonald's, when I was growing up, used to be, okay, once in a great while, we go inside and it was a big thing. And now you don't even have to get out of your car. Nah. And then people, you've seen people walking along eating. Mm -hmm. um, eating's just become like a part of your entertainment. And yeah, Sunday dinners used to be great. Um, and sitting around the table and, and sharing your food, we still do it here. Um, occasionally when, when we're allowed to. <laughs> Yeah. when you have like a big spread of food and people just come in, help themselves to food and go out and listen to music, whatever, sit in the garden, hang out. And it's a, it's nice to be able to share food like that. But yeah, it's just a takeaway. You drive along, pick your food up, you're eating while you're going along. You're not digesting it properly. And then some of the um, cameras that they sent down the gut to watch what this high processed food does to your gut is like, I don't even want to talk about it because it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, all you, all you need to say is go watch Supersize Me. It's an older documentary now, but that guy did some damage to his body by eating it. So on that note, this has been an hour and a half conversation, roughly. So uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to say something about? No, I think we've covered uh, everything from UFOs to consciousness to the nature of our reality to politics to anything else food 
No, we've done done a lot. I think we've done a lot today. So, <laughs> well, thank you for coming back on the show. Anytime, yeah, I'll come back anytime. So I enjoy talking to Peter, as you can tell, because conversation went a little long. Um, but I think that when we talk about energy and we talk about our thought process, there is a lot to be garnered from that. How do we stop the negative thinking from taking control of our lives? How do we stop it and say, okay, no more? You know, it's easy for us to slip back into old patterns. It's very easy to do that. It's energy. And we feel comfortable if we're stuck sometimes. But know this, you can't make progress if you're stuck. So for yourself, do what he said. Look at, write down positive thoughts, write down negative thoughts, and look at what triggered those negative thoughts. And look at why those thoughts are there. Who told you that? If you can really think about that, who told you that? And think about, if you can, the person that they are or were. And did their words really matter? Because that's going to be freeing in itself. I hope you found other parts of our conversation interesting. I do know about gardening, and I think he is very true about certain things. And the moon, you know, farmers, the Farmer's Almanac talks about moon cycles and everything. So there is a lot of truth in that. So if you want to learn gardening, definitely do some research, do some research about when you should be planting. I mean, the moon cycles are a very fascinating thing, especially if you study astrology and just even the weather or anything of that nature, because each cycle represents certain things. There's even moon cycles, not that I've subscribed to this, but there's moon cycles about when you should cut your hair if you want to grow longer. So while all that may seem hooey to some, it's kind of fascinating because there are there is proof that some of this astrological stuff does play out so anyway without further ado i thank you for tuning into the better two podcast if you would like to be a guest on the show or have a question comment or concern please email me at donna at better two podcast.com that's donna d-a-u-n-a at better two podcast.com and if you've missed an episode and want to catch up, you can find it at better2podcast.com. All the episodes are there, as well as our social media links. The show, as always, is brought to you by Kitty Mystic, which is a place where you can get a tarot reading from me. It's located at our website, which is dmneedom.com, D-M-N-E-E-D-O-M.com. And there's a Kitty Mystic tab there. There's also tabs for my books, as well as the podcast, the other podcast I do. So, and our sound is always done by Rich Zai of Third Year Audio. So thank you very much for tuning in, guys. And I hope you have a great weekend, evening, day, whatever it is. And I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Year Audio Productions. 